Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. It is a spring training edition of On the Mark. Two White Sox on the show today. Carson Fulmer trying to make the club the former first-round draft pick. And another first-round draft pick, Zach Collins, now blocked by Yasmani Grandal and James McCann. Is it better for him to start the season out in the minors? Some interesting thoughts from Zach Collins. Also, my buddy Seth Marks on the show today. And, yes, the incredible ceremony for Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan speaking amongst others, a busy edition of on the mark with yours truly Mark Carmen. It starts right now. When I talked to Zach Collins a couple days ago, I asked him, do you know how many days until opening day? Now, the correct answer was 34. Zach, as we started the interview, yeah, he didn't get that one right. 55. <laughs> is that right? No, the answer is, you know, it starts earlier this year, Zach Collins, March 26th. Do you want to go for guess two or should I tell you? Uh, is it 53? Three. It's 34, man. You're plus 20. It's coming quick. Oh, snap. What am I even thinking? I don't know. Oh, my God. That's in like a month. What am I thinking? March 26th? That's terrible on my part. Terrible math. I mean, I don't want to jump all over the U, but I know that, you know, sometimes academics is not priority down at the U, and it's all about the... <laughs> No, you know, honestly, what I was thinking of is the the Winston-Salem Dash posted a picture on Twitter the other day, and they said uh, something about it being like 57 days to opening day, and uh, I was like, um, I don't know, like <laughs> the 57th Dash player to make it to the big leagues or something like that, so maybe that's what threw me off. But yeah, if I would have done that math, I would have probably been a little bit closer. Well, I mean, I appreciate the fact that you remember your time with the Dash, and, and I'm sure you're happy that you're not going to be spending opening day with the Dash, but remember it finally, <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. That's for sure. Uh, all right, so what was? Uh, let's get a little bit in your offseason before we get into the baseball here. What, what was your favorite offseason Zach Collins activity? Anything you look back upon? Uh, favorite activity, probably going hunting with my, with my dad. Um, it's kind of like a boy's trip and met, a, met some of my cousins up in Georgia and we just kind of hung out in a cabin in the woods and, uh, spent a couple of weeks out hunting. Yeah. You, you, I, I'm not an expert hunter. Is that what did you catch anything good? What are they? That's fishing, right? What would they say? Did you, did you nab anything? What's, what's the, what's the terminology? I mean, um, without it being too profane, I mean, too much profanity is just say, uh, did you kill something? But um, no, honestly, all, I only hunt with a bow, so uh, it's not like I'm taking a rifle out there or anything and hunting. But um, we did kill something, but we always eat it. And uh, yeah. Is there been video access granted when you're out there? Like, would you go on one of those outdoor shows where the camouflage? bow and arrow the whole deal yeah of course of course i mean i think that'd be i don't know if i can get this done but i'd love to be a part of that i saw you were quoted as saying that it might be better for you i guess maybe long term rather than you know playing one day a week in the big leagues possibly starting at triple a but you obviously don't want to do that and so now that camp has started how are you sort of feeling your way as to you know what's next for you and just getting yourself to the next level period yeah, um, I mean, I think for me it's just uh, the fact that I have to be ready every day. Um, at any point I could be called up to the big leagues or I could start in the big leagues or something. So 
some trade can happen or whatever. I'm not saying that I want to be traded or I need to be traded or anything like that. Um, obviously, I want to help the White Sox win um, in this organization. This is who I was drafted by, and this is uh, where I want to be. But um, ultimately, things happen. And, um, I mean, I personally think that I'm, I'm ready to play in the big leagues. But if, uh, if we have two all-stars in front of me like we do right now, then uh, maybe the best thing for me is to go to AAA. But um, obviously, that's not what I want to do, and, and that's not what anybody wants to do, but it's, it's the truth. Right. you got to be realistic in, in your situation. Like, if I was going to give you, here's one scenario. You go to AAA, you get 15% better, and you're playing every day in the big leagues next year for the White Sox and or whoever, versus you are up and you start the season in the big leagues and you 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 have a decent year off the bench, but maybe you're playing one and a half times a week. Between those two options, which would you pick? I'd pick AAA. You would, right? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, of course. I think I think anybody smart would. Um, obviously, uh, being in the big leagues is, is the best, but um, it's a long career or it's a short career, I guess. You could uh, put it either way, but um, I'm trying to, to uh, prolong my big league time as much as possible and uh, stay up there as long as possible. And I don't think that playing once a week up there is, is something that can uh, show teams and uh, show our organization that I'm ready. What did you learn from last year? A ton. I mean, from everything from scouting reports in the big leagues, how they look at them, how to prepare for games, how to um, take care of your body post-game. These are all things that are different when you get to the big leagues because of the uh, information that you're given and and the uh, sources or the resources that you have um, from hot tubs to massage therapist to cold tubs, all this stuff. Um, it's just a little bit different up there. And uh, besides that on the field, it um, really had to, had to turn off all the noise around you and uh, just focus on the game. Um, it's, it's not very hard in AAA when you got about 8,000 there at the stadium, but when you got 40,000 playing the Cubs, uh, it's a little bit, a little bit more difficult. So. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um and that's awesome, by the way, having 40,000 in the stands. But it's it when you talk to guys, you all say that it just – for the guy in the stands who's eating popcorn and having a beer, baseball moves slow. But when you're out in the field and there's a zillion things going on, it feels like it's moving like at hyperspeed in the big leagues compared to AAA. Is that about right? Yeah, 100%. Um, yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it. It's, it's a lot of detailed stuff. Um, even when you're in the dugout just sitting on the bench, you're always talking about – um, what the plan is next and what, what we should or what we think we should do um, to either get the next hitter out or get this uh, guy through an inning or um, get the runner over, stuff like that, what the other pitcher is doing. It, it seems like uh, nothing. Yeah, like you said, when you're sitting in the, in the stands just watching the game, it seems like it's moving really slow and, and guys are just uh, kind of lollygagging out there, but it's not, it's, not how, it's not the case. Well, especially when you're behind the plate, right? Every single pitch you're involved you're looking in the dugout or you're calling it yourself, you're being shook off or you're not being shook off, then, and then instantly you're on to the next pitch and you got to think about what was the game plan, wh- how is this guy approaching this at bat, and, and having the confidence to do that. I know that you've, you've talked about, you know, you got some veterans out there and just having that confidence as a young guy in the game to put that finger down and believe in that you know exactly what you're doing, and that only comes with right. experience, right? For sure, for sure. Obviously, uh when you get called up and you're catching Yvonne Nova, who's been in the big leagues for 10 years, um, it's a little bit difficult to, to kind of tell him, hey, this is what I think we should do. Um, but ultimately, uh, when, when we're on the same field, it, it's, it's all things aside. Uh, it doesn't really matter how long you play in the big leagues or how short you, you play in the big leagues. If, um, that's another thing I've, I learned last year from McCann is that he told me, um, just go out there and you're a leader. You know, once you're behind the plate, you automatically become a leader, no matter how young or old you are, um, and that's a big thing that I learned. What have you picked up from Grandal? I mean, he's a Miami guy too, and on one hand, it's like, oh boy, more competition. On another hand, well, here's a guy who's well respected in the game. That if I'm smart, I get to learn from him, and hopefully, I can use that moving forward. Yeah, I mean, you could look at it either way. Um, I think some people. Uh, look at it as a negative and, and, oh, my God, now I have two all-stars in front of me and I might have to go to AAA and all this stuff. But um, I look at it the complete opposite way. I got two all-stars in front of me, so 
obviously they're doing something right, so I can just learn everything from them. And then when I get up there, it should be pretty easy. Um, obviously, the transition uh, sounds easier than it is, but um, definitely having those two guys is going to help me a ton. Well, and you can't control it. He's here. So you can make a choice. Am I going to pout about it or am I going to see the opportunity? Right. And and uh, honestly, I was telling people, if there's a – there's any guy could have could have chosen to to be here and, and be our starting catcher it would have been him um he he went to the same school i did obviously we have a background i worked with him since i was 14 um and i, I mean he's helped me a ton he taught me everything i know uh behind the plate for the most part and um <laughs> obviously there's a couple other people that go into that but yeah i mean we uh we get along well and everything's good so what's the clubhouse like right now, Zach? I know everyone's saying it's it's great. So maybe give me something specific that sort of stands out to you. Um, honestly, it just seems like everybody's having a ton of fun. Uh, so I kind of noticed the other day we're on the field and everyone's laughing and messing around. And um, and then when it gets down to business, it's serious and, and we get our work done. And um, everything's been pretty much as smooth as you can make it. Um, between the bunt defenses and uh, pickoffs and all that stuff, everybody's been having a lot of fun doing it right, so it's good. For you personally, are you? what are you working on behind the plate and at the plate? How are you feeling, and what are you sort of focusing on? I know you, I'm sure you want to cut down your strikeouts, or maybe not. Maybe that's not a concern for you. How, how are you looking at both sides? Um, not a concern for me to cut down my strikeouts. Uh, I think it's something that – uh, I learned from Okada last year that he used to strike out a ton, and last year he obviously had a great year and didn't strike out as much. But he told me when he stopped thinking about cutting down the strikeouts, he uh, started striking out a lot less. So um, learned that from him. And then catching, uh, always working on stances and, and uh, framing and stuff like that. So it's all good. What, what's the difference between catching in, in, in the minors versus the majors, if anything? Um, the only thing really is blocking out the noise. Uh, the minors – you can have a bad inning and, and nothing really piles up on you. But in the big leagues, obviously fans want their team to win. And um, it's, uh, it's a little bit different when an inning goes a little haywire and, and uh, you got fans screaming at you and stuff like that. It's all, uh, it's all good stuff and, and just got to learn how to block it out. Yeah, we, we had Carson Fulmer on the show before you, Zach. I did ask him, what do you think of this Tim Anderson character having his own YouTube channel? So I want to ask you the same question. I mean, that's a big move by the batting champion, his own YouTube channel, showing behind-the-scenes stuff. You're probably going to be involved in that at some point. Are, are you confident that Seven can pull this off? Of course, of course. I think the guy has shown that uh, he's pretty good on social media and, and uh, networking and all that stuff. And I think it, it could only do himself good. And, and uh, obviously it gives, a fans, it gives fans a different look. Um, at what we do behind the scenes and, and all the work that we go through and, and all the fun that we have. and um, I think it's going to be good for our team and good for him. So should be nice. I want to get on that show. I don't know if he takes the media on, but I want to, I want to make it. I, I would tell him I to do something. I, 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 I appreciate it. Like, I would tell him, I would say, go up to Zach Collins and say, who's tougher to catch, Kopech or Keiko? Kopech or Keiko? And then you would answer what? Kopech. Well, tell me why. Um, he throws it a lot harder. <laughs> See yeah. that that could move the needle for Tim right there. People didn't. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't caught Keuchel yet, but um, just from watching him pitch, I think that Kopech would be harder. Did you catch Kopech in the minor? We were we were trying to figure that out. Uh, no, I've never caught him in a start in the minor leagues, but I've caught a bunch of his bullpens. Okay, what's that like? Uh, it's it's uh. You need to ice your hand after usually. You do for real? No, no, I don't ice my hand, but he he throws really, really hard, and he's got electric stuff. And honestly, a uh, little insight, he's been looking great. Um, he threw today to live hitters again, and uh, he's looking electric just like he did before wow. he had the injury. Well, White Sox fans are loving hearing that. All right, uh, last two before you go here. Number one, who did you hit your first big league home run off of? See if you know yourself well. Uh, yeah, that was my first at bat. How am I going to forget that? Um, it was uh, Gerardo from the Texas Rangers. That is correct. Um, that is correct. Yeah. How many How many people were on base? There were two people on base. What inning was it? The third. 
I think it might have been. Was it the second? I think it was the second. I didn't. I didn't expect to ask that question. I got to look it back up. But I will. We'll, <laughs> we'll double check that. That's. Uh, but you. 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 That was a solid answer. You. You were right there. Have you ever seen the Bad News Bears, Zach Collins? I have. So, I was reading a deep article about you back in your Miami days, and your parents basically said you were Kelly Leak as a kid. You're running around the diamond catching balls that were meant for everybody else. Do you remember being that kid? Um, I honestly don't remember it because I was really, really young, probably between five and seven years old. Um, but that's what everybody tells me. Everybody tells me that they would stick me in the outfield and I would run and catch the balls in the infield and run and catch the ball in center from right. And all I was at third base and all over the place. So um, good times. I love that. It's kind of like, Maybe, you know, in another life you were, and this is meant as a compliment, Zach, but maybe you were a dog. Maybe you were, you know, like that's, are, right? Are you saying I was a bad news bear when I was younger? <laughs> and maybe that too. <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> There's a lot of ways this could go. Hey, you were just a kid out there having fun. Like I, that ball said, I'm going to go try and catch it. What, what else would I do? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Always good to talk to you, man. And best of luck this year, however it turns out. I know you're going to be a success where, wherever you may be, Zach Collins. So it's always good to catch up with you and uh, have a great spring, and we'll see you at Guaranteed Right Field. All right. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Next up, Carson Fulmer. He's out of options, most likely going to pitch out of the bullpen, but could be pitching for another organization. Carson, is that making you nervous? Uh, not stressed at all, no. Uh, I know what I need to do in, in order to uh, to make this team and, and to make an impact. Um, obviously, contractually, uh, you know, I know what is in front of me, but um, that's definitely not the mindset right now. The mindset is... Um, you know, to, to be able to get my work in and know what I need to do in order to succeed. And uh, I want to win with this team. Um, this is the, the only team I've been with. Um, I spent quite a few years here now. So, um, you know, I've, I've gotten to, uh, to see this whole thing build up. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to be a part of it. Carson, I'll be honest. I think you deserve it. You've been up. You've been down. You've worked at it. You've kept a very positive attitude publicly. Can you share a little bit as to how difficult it has been going back and forth between Charlotte and struggling at the big leagues and having some success, but then getting knocked around and just trying to regroup and gather yourself and tell yourself, I can do this? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it has been tough. Um, you know, uh, early on in my career, uh, you know, obviously in high school, like pretty much everybody, you know, that it's in the big leagues, they've had success in, in high school. Um, had success in college and I never really faced failure early on in my career. Um, so that was kind of a, you know, kind of a, a change in terms of, um, you know, things going around, you know, around in my, in my career. But, um, you know, it's, it's actually, I, I really don't look at the negative side of things. I, I've had a, a great opportunity with this organization. Um, the front office has given me, uh, you know, plenty of opportunities to go out there and help us win. And um, I've had had success. You know, I know that I can compete at the big league level and, and do really well. Um, and everything else has just been a learning experience for me. Um, you know, uh, again, I'm very thankful to have the opportunity to, to be able to put on this uniform. And, um, you know, I can't, uh, I can't wait for the start of the year, that's for sure. Some are comparing saying, hey, last year's Lucas Giolito Giolito, thank you, could be this mm -hmm. year's Carson Fulmer. And I know you guys are close, you're good friends. Have, yes, you, have you picked up anything from Lucas and how he transformed himself from, you know, he was led the American League in ERA, which you don't want to do, and then he became a guy who pitched in the All-Star game? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, uh, Lucas and I are really close, actually. Um, you know, he's a, a great person to be around just in terms of you know, the mental side, more importantly, and the physical side of, of the game. Um, you know, he is probably the closest teammate that I am to on this team. Um, we've uh, developed a really good relationship. But, uh, you know, I think that when in terms of looking at my goals for this year, I really, you know, physically 
and mechanically and all that, I, I'm in a really good place. I was at a good place at the end of last year. I was able to work with Coop quite a bit on a couple of things, and it would take a long time for me to explain that. But um, going home, I usually give myself probably about a week or so just to kind of download and figure out what exactly am I going to do this offseason so that the following year, the upcoming season is very impactful and I can you know, play to the best of my abilities. And that was the, the mental side of the game. Um, for me, uh, I really concentrated on that. Uh, I was able to talk to Lucas because Lucas, you know, he uh, really focused on that um, going into last season. And um, I have a completely different perspective on, you know, the game, uh, how to slow it down. Uh, I've been able to see really good results already here at camp in my live sessions. Um, you know, it, it definitely has opened up a, a completely different side of the game that I never really, you know, was either stubborn to open up or um, just really didn't look at it. So uh, doing that, I think it was, it's going to be a huge help um, going into a new year and, and really just focusing on stuff um, to continue to keep the game slow and, and uh, to work to my strengths. Now, I don't want to get too personal here, so stop me if it, if it gets uncomfortable, but are we talking coaching, meditation, a billion different things that guys are using right now, and clubs mm-hmm. all across baseball are focusing in on not just the physical aspect, but you got to have the mental skills going on too here. There's a human yes, being out there. It's a human being on the mound. You, you, exactly. So the, exactly. It, 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 it's all got to come together. Yeah, no, um, you know, like I said, it would take a long time for me to explain actually, you know, everything that I've done this off season. But, um, you know, I think you can do meditation, you can do uh, mental exercises, you can do all of that. But I think it really gets down to just trying to figure out your exact routine and making sure you come to the yard every day and do the same exact stuff to get you ready to go out and, and, and play your best. And um, I've locked that down. I've locked down a really good routine. Um, you know, at times, in previous years, the, the game, I mean, it's the, it's the big leagues, you know, so the game can get very, very fast. And a lot of people don't, don't realize that. And um, for me, I, I've always been a, a guy that wants to get the ball. I want to go and I want to, you know, get on top and I want to control the game. Right. So um, now in the big leagues, it's, it's really hard to do that. And, you know, you look at guys that have had a lot of success in the league. Um, that's, the, that's the reason why we respect them so much because they make the game so slow. So, um, for me, it, it was definitely um, very eye-opening. Um, like I said, I have a completely different perspective on the game, and and it's enjoyable for me now. You know, I think that it's uh, you know being able to slow yourself down, be in the center of 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 tension, and just perform at the highest level that you possibly can format. Um, you know, I think that that's definitely going to be my outlook on it, and um, we're going to have a lot of fun winning this year. That's for sure. It's awesome. I've read a lot about you, Carson, with with spin rate and how you've been able to. You already had a good velocity uh, on the, uh, you know, on your fastball and your cutter, but you've also added a little bit extra spin, which for those to not to get too deep in the weeds here, but that lets the ball rise uh, at the end of a pitch, so it, it makes it harder for the hitter to square up. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I've I've always been uh, able to spin the baseball. Uh, that's a very a good trait of mine. That's something I've relied on a lot. Um, you know, uh, in, in college, I was a fastball, curveball guy. I really didn't use a cutter, didn't really use a changeup. Um, a two-pitch mix now doesn't really work. Um, you know, with me trying to be the long guy this year and and try to uh, be the guy that kind of bridges that gap between um, if need be starter and, and uh, you know, the backside of the bullpen. Um, I have to have more pitches, and I've been re- really relying on my heater. Uh, been able to spin um, the, you know, my fastball really well. Um, my breaking ball is, has uh, really good depth, and my cutter and my changeup, obviously, you know, they, uh, they really have, you know, good efficiency numbers, and um, I'm able to command those as well. But, uh, that you know, that that's – part of the game. I have the stuff, you know, I, uh, I have the mentality, um, you know, I, I've never really had to, to, uh, you know, thankfully work on that very much just because of, of the uh, talent that I was given. But, um, you know, the mental side I think is, is really what's going to benefit me the most this year. And, and, uh, you know, getting through those games that I may have had a little bit of issue with, uh, in years past. Carson, according to the numbers, hitters do not have much success against your curveball. Now, maybe they're expecting the fastball and the cutter, and if they were tuned in 
to you throwing a curveball, maybe those numbers would change. But I'm curious, when you look at the numbers and you see that hitters are hitting the low ones against your curveball, do you alter your game plan going forward? What's your reaction to that specific part of the numbers? Yeah, no, um, I've been able to, to – I've always been able to throw a breaking ball, um, a curveball more importantly. Um, you know, with having my cutter and, and having my changeup um, in years past, I've gotten pretty comfortable with those pitches, and I've probably thrown them a little too much. Um, you know, I've been working with Yaz and, and McCann a little bit on, on being able to utilize that breaking ball, that curveball more um, early on. I've been throwing it a lot in camp, and I've seen really good results with it. Um, you know, I, I wasn't very consistent with it the last couple of years just because I didn't throw it and I didn't practice it enough. But um, it's always been in the bag. I've always been able to spin it well, and um, I'm throwing it a lot more now, uh, which opens up uh, the tar- you know the top part of the zone and uh, you know cut her in to lefties, uh, you know away from righties. Uh, it's opened up you know in perspective two more pitches that I can utilize. You know, breaking ball for a strike and a breaking ball in the dirt. So. Um, it's going to be a big strength for me this year. I'm going to throw it quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I'm really, really excited, uh, you know, where, um, where that pitch is, you know, most importantly right now. So for us armchair pitching coaches watching White Sox baseball, do you think we'll notice any difference in your delivery? Have you changed that at all? Or, or are you comfortable where you're at from the end of last year till now? Yeah, you know, I, I worked with Coop quite a bit um, on being more directional towards the plate. Uh, I've always been able to to use my lower half extremely well. Um, that was something that back in college, you know, Scott Brown really worked on me is is being able to util- utilize every part of my body going down the hill. And you know, uh, I don't know if I was born with it or or uh, you know, I've just I've practiced so much of it. I've I've always been able to use my legs, and that's what's generated a lot of power. Um, but one of the issues was I was uh, uh, kind of kicking out and kind of spinning off the ball, uh, which basically would apply spin on my fastball and the efficiency numbers weren't um, where they wanted to be. So uh, I worked with Coop quite a bit um, on being more directional towards the plate and kind of generate more power towards home plate. Um, I've seen tremendous results. Uh, I've, I've been way more consistent in the zone. Um, I've been getting swing and misses on, on a lot of other pitches just because there's a lot more force generated and it's going towards the hitter and more importantly towards the strike zone. So um, I'll still be, you know, everybody says that I'm, I'm max effort. Yes, I am max effort in terms of being able to, to generate as much power as I possibly can, um, which is a big strength of mine and, you know, applies velocity towards home plate. So, um, you know, I think that that's, been really beneficial for me is just being more direct towards home plate and and uh you know i've seen again really good results uh this spring carson fulmer what'd you do this off season that was the most fun thing that you look at look back upon anything with your wife anything by yourself whatever it would be yeah no uh my wife and i love to travel uh we went to uh italy this off season for a few weeks so um we were able to have some downtime and and really enjoy ourselves but uh we're already starting to, to plan our next trip for, for next offseason, so we'll see where that goes. <laughs> where, where in Italy? Uh, Florence, Rome, and uh, we went to uh, Lake Como and uh, Milan as well. So we were able to, to touch a few places. That's awesome. You, where, where, where are we headed to after uh, this season when you have a, your best year yet? What's, what's the plan? <laughs> no, of course. I'm going to leave that up to my wife. She's pretty good at that kind of stuff, so... Um, wherever she wants to go, I'm uh, I'm aboard for that. All right, fair enough. Before you get out of here, tell me what's going on in camp with the guys. Uh, everything I see on social media, regular media, seems like the smiles are aplenty down at, at uh, Camelback here. Yes, sir. Uh, you know, we, uh, we're special. We're a special group. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> we have – we have every piece that we need in order to win a championship. Um, you know, we have a lot of veterans now. We have guys that have had a lot of experience and that can help us younger guys get through certain situations. You know, we have, you know, the batting champ on our team. We have, you know, glow, you know, gold glove defenders. We have power. I mean, we have everything. But more importantly, our clubhouse is, is really good. I know we've only been here for about a week or so, but um, 
you know, we feel like we've been together already for a few months and um, everybody's itching to get ready, but it's definitely a brother, you know, a brotherhood and it's just going to get tighter throughout the season. I got two more for you. Number one, the batting champ has a YouTube channel. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Yeah, that's him. That's his personality. Um, Tim's uh, an amazing teammate. Uh, he uh, is one of the best players I've, I've seen, you know, throughout my career and, um, you know, he's a great teammate and whatever, but he's also a great friend. Um, I've been able to get a good, you know, develop a good relationship with him over the years. And, um, he's, uh, he's one of our centerpieces, you know, uh, he leads by example and, um, you know, we're definitely, uh, glad he's on our team. That's for sure. Yeah. All right. Last one for Carson Fulmer. You said something, I don't know, a little bit earlier in this interview that you're, you're trying to be the long man. Have they told you that? Is that something that you're seeing as some, that uh, a need for the club? I know that uh, there's been a bunch of added to the starting rotation, uh, but mm-hmm. is that, how, why, are, why are you so, sort of circling that role? Uh, you know, I, I just kind of threw that out there. I'm not really circling any type of role yet. Um, you know, most importantly, I'm here to, to win a job, and that's to, to be able to pitch in any situation that they need. But, um you know, I'm a guy that has started in the past, um, you know, has worked towards the back end of the bullpen, um, you know, is, is pitched in a lot of different roles. And, um, you know, I can I can eat up innings at a time, you know, more than one inning, more than two innings. Um, you know, I want to be that guy that they can rely on to, to go out there and, and uh, again, bridge any gap that needs to be bridged and, uh you know, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to to the opportunity to go out there and and uh, pitch in any situation that they need to. But um, I'm going to go out there and and pitch to my my strengths and um, you know just let my body work and and see where uh, it happens towards the start of the season. Garza, great to talk to you. Have a great spring. Looking forward to seeing you at Guaranteed Rate Field. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. Wrapping up the show today, wanted to bring you some humor. My guy, Seth Marks, who I used to do radio with back in the day. We started it out, 1998, WCBR The Bear, The Naked Truth About Sports. Seth, back in town for a stop by, and this one went all over the place. And bring in my buddy, Seth Marks, who, diehard Chicago sports fan, had a cup of coffee in the industry, now trying to recreate the magic. Seth, good to see you, buddy. Good to be here, Mark. I love the many voices and talents you do bring to the table. I've got a situation that I want to talk to you about this week. You got a situation? Yeah. So I met my one of my good friends who works in the NBA. He uh, invited me to breakfast over at the Lowe's Hotel. You ever been to the Lowe's? Lowe's Chicago? Yeah. Yes, I have. Over uh, over by the theater, movie theater, across the street, kind of in that vicinity. In that vicinity, yes. Of, uh, of Mike Shula's steakhouse, worst steakhouse in Chicago. Donnie Shula? Don Shula. Yeah. M- Mike, the son of Don. Yeah, in that area, right, Park Avenue, right off Columbus there. <laughs> We're at Lowe's, okay? We have a great breakfast. Now, I drank a lot of coffee at the breakfast, so now I need to use the facilities for the postgame show. Who are you meeting? Good friend of mine, high-level NBA executive. Okay. So, uh, please, close to the mic. It's, it, it, it disorients me. I like to lay me. back and listen to the story yeah, a little. Okay, it, it disorients me. I'm sorry. So I, so I go to the, I, I go to the bathroom, and there is a hotel worker outside the bathroom. She sees me enter the bathroom, mm-hmm. so now she knows I'm in the bathroom. You get in this upper-level bathroom. The stalls are the door is from the ceiling to the floor. So you can't, once you're in there, you're basically hidden. Guy, you know, they can't see your shoes. They yeah. can't see anything. It's complete you privacy. You always wonder what could go on in those stalls. Exactly. That's why you got to put the triple layers on those seats. Right. No no question. And ev- and ev- everything's in danger and, in there. And, a, and, a, and an early flush, even if it's clean. <laughs> There's a million things you got to do to prepare yourself to come out of there unscathed. Correct. But so I get in there. I live the dream. And I come out. And she's standing at the sink. Like, she saw me go in, and now 
I like to have a private situation, but since it was covered, like I didn't see she was out there. I would have waited until she disappeared. But but she almost came in under cover. Were you were you going deuce? Yes, of course. Oh, so you went full deuce. What, I, was there a lot of audio to the deuce? No, I I don't. I mean, some natural organic. I think, I think natural organic. I don't think it was nothing that, re- like Hall of Fame level. No, I don't remember any Hall of Fame. But okay. but I but I but I want to do my deuce in private. That's where yeah. I like to be. You did not know there was an intruder on your deuce. Right. So now I walk <laughs> out. I walk out, and now I can't even make eye contact with you. I got to wash my hands. I got I got to have the head down, and I got to make a quick turn and get out of there before I see you. So I felt like she just broke a huge code. You saw me go in. Why would you then enter the? Like, Wait, was it uh, was a cleaning lady? Yeah, was she cute? Attractive I, 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 at any I, level? I don't remember an attraction. You don't think there was? Maybe she was kind of down for the so getting that, in the stall was, and, and, and join the Ground Zero Club. That might have been. I didn't know that was a thing. The Ground Zero Club. Ground Zero Club. That's the bathroom stall. Banging in anywhere inappropriately on the ground. Grounds are interesting. Uh, I I don't know if she had that motivation. I don't think she did, but anything's possible you because why would you know. do that? Well, that's why I would do it. If I, were, right. if I were a housekeeper and I saw a nice, good-looking sports broadcaster, arguably top ten best-looking sports broadcasters at WGN. Thank you very much. How many are there at WGN? Seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a big crew for a radio station. So, okay. Uh, you are uh, one notch above Les Grobstein in the top ten. So let me. I want you to rate that experience on the embarrassment level versus this experience. So that wasn't embarrassing. You don't think that's okay. I thought she opened the door. You didn't go in as a nice married man. Now I respect the fact that you did not get the tea leaf of her saying, let's go, daddy. So you think I missed something? You missed something. Interesting. That's that's why else would she come in? I good point. I totally missed it. Yeah. But well, it's good. As as a married man, I would never do that. I'm a very trustworthy guy. But so here's the other one. I uh, Chelsea would be proud. Chelsea, you should be very proud of Mark. And not surprised. He, she, he's she, a, no, but if you weren't married, you might have read that better. No, I wouldn't have. No chance. Would have completely missed it again. But that, but, but, but let, let me just get this straight. For those of you at home, almost just spit out a full mouth of coffee. Uh, I mean, that right there is a Larry David episode. Why did she come in? It is 100%. Curve your, are you, did you enter because? Give me the bathroom location. You're I will interested. Be, and the time of day that happened, I will be repeating that. Okay, well, that, that was, that. all right, maybe I missed something. Okay, here's the other situation, and this gets a little more vulnerable. Uh, so I, you know, I don't know. Is how, there nudity in, in this story? Not nudity, no, but I don't know how you have, are dealing with the aging process, but, but I uh, do have a slight itch situation uh, on the backside. Which I need to mop. Hemorrhoids. I wouldn't. I don't even know if it's hemorrhoids. Just an irritation that occasionally I need to use a little cream to just calm her down. Called preparation age. Yeah, but I but I go with a uh, with a. First thing you got to do as you get older, Mark, is just call it what it is. You have George Brett hemorrhoids. Yeah, I don't know if it's hemorrhoids. I I, I don't want to own that. But but and and I don't. What do you mean? I don't know. You got but, an itch on your in your ass. You have an itch. Is it in your ass? Slight itch. Yes. Within the cheekola region. You have located the proper region. Yes. Okay, that's called hemorrhoids. Why would you deny the diagnosis? It's so simple. You don't even need to go to a doctor. You just go to a Walgreens person. Say I got an itch up my ass. They point you towards preparation H or Wallace. So I want I want a upper level preparation H. So I go with the actual prescribed cream from the doctor. So you went to the doctor. So I ca- to have your ass itch checked out. Well, when I do my once a year physical. I tell him everything that's going on with me. I give this. He said, well, why don't you have this cream? No problem. So but, in an anticipation of when the assets returns kind right, of thing? Right. And so what happened is, <laughs> uh, you know, it's been a very, I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm in the season where I, I need some assistance, but I, I can't find the cream. So, and I've been bothered now for like two weeks. So I call up the doc and I get, you know, the, the secretary who's the, the answering service. What would you like to do? Well, I'd like to leave the doctor a thing for a prescription. Oh, well, I can fill that for you. Which one would you like? <laughs> and I'm like, well, it, I'm like, I'm like, well, it's 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 a cream. And she's like, oh, the hydrocortisol, this that. And so there's, I also have cold sores, so I'm not sure if she's got the cold sore thing or what the cream that I need. And so I say, so so I say to her, I'm like, uh, it's not the cold sore. I say, no, 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 this is for the rectal. <laughs> And I'm like, all right, thanks. And, I, and, and I'm mortified. 
I, I can't even get a cream and or go to the bathroom at Lowe's <laughs> without somebody walk walking in and following me around versus now and then I just wanted to leave a message for the doctor and I'm comfortable telling him. Full, full, I need you to know, did you apply the cream in that bathroom when the housekeeper was in there. I have to so see the, the house. You, are you now going in and saying you have to go to and then just flat out just applying cream in your rectum? So the housekeeper. Do you do that, sir? Hold on. The housekeeper thing, uh, just chronologically, was first. And since <laughs> since since I had the housekeeper experience, it gave me the confidence to make the call. Because, you know, like, well, if I. Uh, so you didn't have the cream at that time? No, I did not have it. So if she opened the door and you were applying cream to your rectum. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, that's that's the other. <laughs> that would be the curb your enthusiasm. That would be, and and, and uh, so the other thing about being married is like you know you have the cream and you're in your ba- we have two bathrooms in our very tiny apartment, but you got two bathrooms, and so like I've been true love. Uh, she applies the cream. She- <laughs> true love would apply the cream. I honestly, we should call right now. This phone calls. We say first ten callers. If your husband has hemorrhoids. Do you have your wife apply the cream? She has applied different things to me. Like, I think I've had a cold sore, and she's taken, like, a Q-tip and put the stuff on there for me. And I've got a little thing on, under the nose right now that she's uh, she she assisted with okay. that, too. Okay, that's the booger region. Yeah. There's some love going booger on. Booger region is serious love. And yes. then if you're—I'm not having her apply the cream. But you but didn't ask. No, I no, yeah. I did not, and yeah, I won't. It's a, it's a difference between you and I. You No, you wouldn't. 100%. No, you wouldn't. One million percent. We need a polygraph in our one million percent. If I had hemorrhoids, I would 100%—I wouldn't make her, but I would say, honey, can you please apply some cream on my hemorrhoids? 100%. And then what would Meredith do? I have no idea. I'm going to have to ask. I'm going to have to call her and ask. Aren't you in a slight uh, temporary marriage situation right now? I'm in a self-imposed restraining order. (laughs) We call that a separation. Uh, It's an amicable one, Mark. It's uh, one where, you know, uh, you're kind of getting kind of in a Roy Williams, North Carolina slump in the marriage. You got the nest vacating full, full emptiness, trying to understand each other after being married for 25 years. Uh, You know, trying to figure out who the hell she's turned into. She's trying to figure out who the hell I turned into. And do these two people still get along and can they stay connected? Aren't you on a reality TV show, too? Can we talk about that? hypothetical, Mark. That's all hypothetical. What's it called? Uh, Real Housewives Utah? I I don't. I can't confirm or deny that. Can't confirm or deny? No, but there's a lot of social media out there that would lean towards confirming, but I cannot. Do you enjoy, in theory, if your life was on reality TV, would that be a dream come true for you? Allegedly, being separated and then being on a reality show might be one of the only things in my life that I haven't been able to really figure the fuck out yet. Well, what what part have you not figured out? Whether you want it or don't want it? I kind of like it, and then I hate it at the same time. You kind, really? I feel like you're, it's a straight love for you. you no one has wanted to get more. Nah, you're but, an attention-seeking you whore, cameras, so am I. Yeah, but you got cameras rolling and Where? trying to figure out your marriage. Like, we'll go to dinner, just Meredith and I, and they'll be filming the whole freaking dinner. Are you serious? Yeah. You go to dinner and there's cameras? Where are the cameras? There's two, it's like us filming a movie. Like, how far away from you? There's two. One's on me at all times. One's on her at all times. And we're supposedly spilling our guts out to each other. Are you friends with the cameraman? Trying to be. My part of what I do is I try to make the cameraman laugh. You know, it's part of the sport for me doing this reality I to- show. I totally see you just going yeah. for the, the the easy laugh. I'm and not- breaking character a lot. I get caught up, and then I was like, I got to get out of that. I get deeper in the emotional funnel. Next thing you know, you feel yourself on the verge verge of tears, or like opening up, and you're like, oh. Revert mission! Revert mission! And then I go back into comedy stuff. Ha, ha, have you... Abort have, mission. Have, have you touched a tear in, in, with a camera on there? I think, hypothetically, maybe. I don't think you're a tear guy. Oh, I'm a tear guy. Really? Oh, yeah. What's the what's your biggest movie tear? You ever cry in a movie? Uh, by deductive reasoning, I, I don't know what movie I haven't cried in. If there's a moment that the writer meant for it to be emotional, I identify it and I cry with it. Did we, Even in comedies. Did you cry when we went to see Titanic together oh, in, to, in, yeah. in, in 1998? 100% still bothered. Jack Dawson, they let him go on that. It looked like the raft had more. Like I never understood why he couldn't get on the raft. We've talked about this before. Winslet's a terrible person. That's why. How do you? Are you kidding? You couldn't make room for Jack. She's a she's a disaster. She never even offered. She didn't even freaking offer. Right. It's like Jack, make it. He would have denied it, but at least have the decency. Why don't you save yourself, Jack? You come she, on the raft. You know why she didn't do it? 
She yeah. wanted the other rich dude to come back. She had already realized that her life was going to be poor with this guy, and she was out. And she was gonna, she's gonna, she's gonna go for Carrie, but she was gonna go marry the rich dude. It was perfect, actually. She might have created the entire sinkage of the Titanic. She, it, it was like a, that, she whacked Jack Dawson and all the hundreds of other collateral. Victims. It, it was her only freaking way out to get the rich guy. <laughs> she, she's she a comp- did a Donald Trump, she, uh, Kim Jong Un move. She she's blew a comp- up a whole boat just she, to get out alive. She's the worst person ever, Winslet. And <laughs> it took me. Really to this moment to figure it out, but that was her whole plan. I'm not gonna go with this guy who can't afford to be on this ship and had to play and won it on a on a, on a gambling style casino game in the dock. I'm going back to this the rich, rich prick because he's gonna take care of me. Winslet. It is the way the movie. world is. I need to see that movie again. Yeah, and just for the record, that's when Seth and I were doing radio. Uh, Naked Truth about sports show ended at nine. Uh, a.m. You nine a.m. You actually had a life to get going, and you had uh, like a real sales job or something you were doing. Yes, I did, and, and I had nothing. Everybody's uh, hustling. I was not hustling. I just wanted to go see. Well, you were committed to this industry. I, I I wanted to get there fast. I was just throwing hail marys, buying airtime. I I couldn't climb the ladder. There's no money to be made unless you're at the top of this industry. Right. If I had realized that about this industry, then which you had already realized, then maybe I would have gotten somewhere quicker than now sitting here at 46, loving the on the mark podcast with you. But perhaps a, a greater vision at that time would have been helpful. No, you stayed true to your dreams, man. You are such an inspiration. We say I talk about this off the year with you all the time, man. You. Stayed true to your dreams. You will have no regrets. I, I well, that's not true. I've got seven zillion regrets. But but but, but, but no, nah, we don't want to go down that road. But I do. I I just got a couple things I want to talk about before we conclude this version of uh, Carmen and Marks and the On the Mark uh, podcast, which episode uh, one officially. No, nah, nah, we're not in official yet. The f- big things are coming though. So thank you for so where that does off. one listen to this uh, Jobber Nobby? Uh, this is on the mark with Mark Harmon, and uh, it's it's on on iTunes and on Spreaker wherever you find your podcast. You, really? Yes. So like it, the same place I would find Gary V. I can find on the mark uh, with Mark Harmon. I'll show you the numbers after this of what you're what you're buying into. It's a huge move by you. Uh, do we have documented uh, human listeners to this podcast? We do. We do. Outstanding. We, yes. I so mean, I want to know for those who have listened to this podcast that are married or in a serious relationship. If you had hemorrhoids or your spouse had hemorrhoids, would you expect them or at least ask them to apply the cream? Okay, so the only way to find you on social media is on Instagram. It's Seth Stock. Is that right? Seth, S-E-T-H, Stock. Rhymes with Big Seth Stock. Okay, when we're done with this podcast, we're going to start a Twitter account for you. I don't do Twitter. You need a Twitter account. As long as number 45 is doing Twitter, I won't do Twitter. You got to have a Twitter account. You don't let don't let, MAGA don't, man, don't let MAGA. Impact. I do appreciate MAGA's results. I hate the guy though. He's putting up good results. Depending how you interpret the results, he's like Bobby Knight. You, you hated him, but he put up good results. That's an insult to the general. I love the general. I don't know. The general got it done. Uh, all right, here before we go. I, I I meant to talk with you last week. Seth Stock on Instagram. If I get one follower as a result of this podcast, this is a success for me. W- will you do Twitter? We need you on Twitter. But here, let me. I, I have to. Let me let me ask you Twitter a question. Twitter requires too much cerebral engagement. No, it doesn't. Absolutely not. No no cerebral. Just be on there. So here, here's the question, Seth. You 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 identify yourself as a Bears fan first, right? Hundy. Bulls fan second. First. Bulls. Fan. A, yeah. Bears, Bulls, Cubs, White Sox, and then Blackhawks slightly. They're all number one. Yeah, man. You don't have to pick a wife. You could you could be a Mormon in sports. Yeah, but okay, you're at the end. I love them all. You, I love them all. I love them all. I yeah. swear to God, they're like children. They're like children. Okay. How do you if, pick if a favorite? Like, how if, do you pick a favorite? If I had to, and you said they're all in a championship, and it was all on the same day, which championship would you want to go to? Yeah. And all the seasons were playing at the same time. Sure. The Super Bowl. Right. Okay, so Bears won. I think you're Bulls, too. 100%. 100, right. Yeah. I mean, oh, I mean you were a, a diehard. At with the, you. I was right. there every step of the way with you. You were there. Red Your f- Bulls won. Uh, Bulls won, always. Always and forever. So, but my, so here, the, so you're, you're a big Bulls guy. Yeah. Were you at game one, 1991 finals against Lakers. the LA Lakers? Were you yeah, game... with the switch Ruhan move? We went that was game right... two. That was game two. Was game one? Uh... Game, two, game one was in and out, lost by two at the buzzer. Uh, maybe not there. 
You were that was like past your prime. Was that the old stadium? Old stadium, I, of course. Uh, I believe I was. I believe I was. But you don't remember it like clear as day. No. So I, there was a moment before the game that I'm that I want to tee up. The Lakers come out to warm up. Ladies and gentlemen, the Los Angeles Lakers. Actually, that was Ray Clay. That was Tommy Edwards. <laughs> so The Los Angeles. <laughs> so out, out, the Lakers come and warm up. And do you remember the song they played when the Lakers were warming up? No chance. I do. I get it in a multiple choice. 100% would get, get it in a multiple choice. They either played. They either played. Pointer Sisters. They either played the cards, It's Magic, or Do You Believe in Magic. Which one was it? Uh, it was either "Do you believe in magic?" Oh, and did they only do that for the Lakers specifically? Well, right. When so when they came out, they played. Do you? They did that for Magic Johnson. Yes, they played. Oh. Do you believe in magic? And for everybody's sure. everybody's sitting there in the stadium, and they're kind of like enjoying. Do you believe in magic? It's a great <laughs> tune. But then they realize that they're playing. Do you believe in magic to honor the Lakers? And then the crowd starts booing. They're booing. Do you believe in magic? <laughs> like like twenty minutes before game. You know, that, that's Chicago Stadium at its best. Right. And then they pump right into Gary Glitter uh, Rock and Roll Part Two. You know the Hey song, yeah, and and they and they, and now your Chicago Bulls Bulls come up from underneath through the steps your out of the car, Chicago Bulls, and they're blaring that the Hey song. I've never heard the Hey song pregame. The crowd going bananas. That was your first time hearing it in a pregame. Hey, you, that was your first time hearing that in a pregame. In a pregame, the first time I ever heard it. If we really want to go deep in the weeds here, game four. 1987-88 season, the year of the All-Star Game in Chicago. Bulls played the Pistons in the playoffs. Uh, one game two, I want to say, and then were got got crushed, uh, lost the series in five. But in game four, they were getting whacked, and they made a huge comeback. Paxson hit a three. Was that when Pippen was menstruating? That was game. That was three years later. See, like you, this is your. By the way, this is why your Bears is one. You got every freaking detail on the Bears down to like the 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 T. You could tell me when Peanut Tillman did the peanut punch on on Jorge Velasquez. Yeah, yeah. I stopped watching the Bears religiously the last few years. I mean, you're, they you're, have to earn my attention again. Like, I mean, I'll, wa- I'll 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 understand every game they play. I'll read the box score. I'll watch what I can, but I'm not going to let it dictate my life like it once did. It's maturity. My whole week revolved around the bear. Like, you, you were anticipating the game like you were playing in it. I mean, you used to call up the scores, what, Packer Paul? Yeah. I love that you go RX Bar mid-podcast, chew solid. I love RX Bars. We should get RX Bars to sponsor this. RX Bar would be a good sponsor. We'd take that. Who else can we get to sponsor this podcast? you got business uh, connections. Who's going to come in here? Coca-Cola? Preparation H. Preparation H would be huge. For sure. Uh, the, the point of bringing up this whole story is I just – when Magic was back in town for the All-Star game last week, I, I was thinking about that moment in time and do you believe in Magic and how much I, at the time, detested Magic Johnson because a lot of people who watched basketball thought Magic was better than Michael, and it bothered me to the end of the year to the point that I couldn't even rationally. Back then. Back then. But now you just love him so much. And his stories about Michael were freaking great and they were on last week's podcast so feel free to click really? back click back an episode mj talking about mj which was what awesome. was your favorite magic he, mj story he he told a story about a 92 bulls blazers magic's now retired because of the hiv he's calling the games for nbc it's before game one of the finals he's at michael's house they're playing biz whiz which is some card game that is big in the hood and it's magic and Jordan's dad James versus Jordan and Oakley and they pl- and they play till like five, they they play till 5:30 in the morning cuz Michael's losing you know the vintage Michael can't you can't He's leave I'm chasing all night yeah, chasing all night and so Magic's like MJ I got to leave I got I got to call the game you've got to play and so <laughs> f- 5:30 in the morning leaves Jordan that night hits the six threes right and then he did the shrug That was that day Yeah and and he's like he's like people thought he was doing it to Clyde Drexler he was doing it to me cuz I took all his money in biz whiz <laughs> 
the great magic man. That's a great story. It's a solid, right? He's, yeah. He's the best. You believe that story? 100%. That's insane. So it was like a gesture to magic at the scores table, basically? That, that's, that's, that's what he's saying. Like, he was trying to prove to magic, like, Wait. I lost you in this, but I'm I'm out here again. I'm going to win. Yeah. I'm winning the night, buddy. Yeah, you had to go home early to broadcast. I had to go home early uh, at 6 in the morning to hit six threes. Right. And he t- you know. Is that what he hit, six threes in that game? In the first half. Yeah. Six threes in the first half? I think he had 35 in the first half, finished with 39. They they blew him out in game one. Blazers won game two. Bulls uh, Bulls won, I think, game th- They They won, I think, game three, lost game four, won game five, won game six. I feel like Jordan traumatized his opponents. He did. He like, totally was did. ever a player that literally created trauma that later in life it haunts you because you played against him? You know the story like, with Muggsy Bogues? No. Muggsy Bogues open jump shot at the top of the key. Jordan's guarding him. He's five feet off him. Says to Muggsy Bogues, this is a true story. Shoot it, you fucking midget. No way. And like Muggsy, Muggsy tells this story? He, yeah, this I I I've I've heard it not from Muggsy directly, but just I've heard the story. Shoot it, you fucking midget. And it like ruined Muggsy's career. Like the guy had had a great career to that point, but he had got in his head to such a level that it, that it fucked him. That's amazing. I played golf with Muggsy Bogues this summer. Did you really? Yeah, good guy. I'd, lo- I'd love if you can confirm that. That's a tough one to confirm. I would have known. Hey, did Michael ever say, shoot it, you fucking midget? And how do you? How do you... <laughs> I would just say, how is Michael, who is like the baddest, tr- biggest trash talker in the league? Right. But yeah, he traumatized guys. He There was the Kevin Garnett story Craig this week. Craig Elo's in therapy every day. That's true. Craig Elo. For real. Literally, you would watch him get traumatized. Garnett told a story this week that made the rounds where uh, J.R. Ryder is going against Michael and he's having a good game. And and uh, Kevin. I believe to, that's Isaiah Ryder. Isaiah Ryder. Okay. Isaiah J.R. Ryder. So, <laughs> so going to the fourth quarter, they're walking down the court, and Ke- Garnett's a rookie. He's like, Keep going at him. Keep killing him, Jr. Keep killing him, Isaiah. Keep killing him. And Jordan is right there, and he turns and he looks at Garnett, and and Ryder's like, he doesn't know anything, MJ. Don't worry about him, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Who tells that story? The, the both of I'll show you the film. Like they're both talking about it, and then Jordan goes and fuck kills. Kills Isaiah Ryder for that fourth quarter, puts like 17 on him. So J.R. Ryder didn't want his own guy get, you know, right. he was like, he's like oh my God, you probably think I can't believe I'm doing this well against Jordan. Yeah, don't, don't say don't a word. Don't mess with that. Don't yeah. say a word, you idiot. Uh, <laughs> That's a great story. Yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, we should do this in a dispensary. Be a great, like, you know how these cigar lounges, like these guys, those old guys go in in the back of the stores, like a legitimate lounge, and they're all smoking cigars? That's where we should do the podcast. You'd have like, you know, we, we, twelve we guys in the, with us that could weigh in. You know, how many of you guys by show of hands would have your wife apply preparation H on your hemorrhoids? Well, that's the goal. That's the goal. Seth, good to see you, brother. It's over for today. I know you don't want to leave. Can we go to episode two? We can. We'll, we'll go to episode two. I want to talk about Trubisky and the biggest uh, tragedy of our lifetime. In sports, Chicago sports' biggest tragedy of our lifetime is the selection of Mitch Trubisky. That'll be next week, seven twenty. No, not seven twenty. What has been bigger f up than that in our lifetime in Chicago? Has there ever been where we gave a, a, a we traded up? And let me just tell you, there was a guy called Patrick Mahomes in that draft. Okay, so not only were we so off in getting a once in a generational greatest quarterback we might see in a long time in Patrick Mahomes, we yeah. traded up to get Mitch Trubisky. Whoever made that decision you just channel- should be held accountable. You just channeled your OB very well. I mean, this kind of this topic though has been buried and killed and dug back up and dug back in. You got to get over do you, it. Are you do you believe Trubisky is a failure and has no chance of being great, or do you three still- percent chance to to be? He has to be great when you're the second no, pick in the I, okay. draft and you're traded up oh, to get him. Okay, he's never going to be great. Never. He's never going to be a Hall of Fame quality ne- quarterback. Then that's what you get in the second pick, though. Not that's yeah. what you're supposed to and get. Or, and or you get Ryan Leaf. I mean, you can. It, people have missed a million different times. And the but bear- Ryan Leaf, I think it cost a lot of people's career. Like the, 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 well, the general manager it, that drafted it, Ryan Leaf, I think got. That's it, it might cause Ryan, Ryan Pace, Pace, which is why I think they should go out and get Tom Brady. 
You 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 and Derek Carr to might, mentor Trubisky more than anything. No, no, no. Trubisky's done. You need Pace needs a creative way to move Trubisky aside. We never thought that Tom Brady was going to be available. Amazingly, he was, and we believe that we're in our championship window right now. And, we, and the opportunity to bring in the greatest quarterback of all time was just too much to pass up. We still absolutely believe in Mitch. Uh, we look forward to Mitch having a great career. But Tom being there was something that we felt we just had had to do and then nobody blames him they're thrilled about it the Trubisky thing goes, it, the Trubisky thing goes way into the background and and done I love it and yeah. not only that he will have the benefit of getting mentored by Tom Brady and learning how to play in the yeah. pocket and then he can he go can, you cannot be an out-of-pocket guy unless you're Patrick Mahomes another terrifying thing for Pace is that Trubisky fails here goes on a la Ryan Tannehill to another organization. A la Pat, a la Brett Favre. Well, yeah, but he, I mean, Favre was a cup of coffee in Atlanta before he went along. But this is like this would be more Tannehill-esque. Like he he leaves, he goes to Tennessee, he starts as a backup behind someone, then he gets out there, and then he's successful, takes that team to the playoffs. So not only did you fuck the draft pick, but then you showed that you couldn't even develop a guy either. So it wasn't even the draft pick. It was a, from a, actually from a pace standpoint. Then he can point more at the head coach. But then again, he hired the head coach, so it's all bad. Like if he leaves here, it's better for pace that he just goes away and people forget about him. If he goes elsewhere and is successful there, that's like a double down, triple whammy, back niner. Are you we, can't have it. Uh, you know, he might we, have to shoot him. You know that is it? Can you confirm? That is part of that obnoxious trade to trade up one was one pick up right from three to two yeah and they gave up two second round picks they have three picks three picks including yeah. future picks but in that well, they, draft they, they gave, gave up, up their, technically technically they gave up four picks they gave up their own three because so the night you know, they swapped yeah so they got the three and then they got three draft picks I'd have to look at the numbers but I think it was one fourteen one sixty seven and whatever and I think a six round or something with like that. the 49ers. yeah. How'd they do this year? Well, right, and by the way, that's true, and if you were the Niners going back on it, they picked Solomon Thomas, okay? It would have been a whole lot better if they had taken a guy by the name of Patrick Mahomes, so they missed on him too. Yeah, 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 but they did trade in there. Somehow New Orleans got one of our picks, and this guy named Alvin Kamara. Can you confirm that? Uh, I mean, I know that Kamara was a later-round pick. That was the the Bears pick. Google Alvin Kamara Bears pick. These are the things that. If the Saints didn't draft Alan Kamara, uh, Bears finally reflecting on the 2000 draft. Uh, do, 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 do. When reflecting on the 2017 draft, the Shakespearean quote, What's past is prologue, comes to mind. A concept suggesting that the previous events set the stage for what is happening in the present. During the 2017 draft, the decisions made by both the Bears and the Saints helped reshape each franchise. Chicago's bold moves shook the branches of the NFL tree, and the Saints, albeit indirectly, benefited greatly as well. Another chess piece involved in the framing of this drafting drama was the San Francisco 49ers, as they were able to ride a wave of additional picks to revitalize a depleted, listless organization with talent and depth. The 49ers aside, the Sunday matches two teams, the Bears and the New Orleans Saints, uh, Bears GM Ryan Pace made his move despite San Francisco. I'm bored. They got Alvin Kamara. The Bears traded and the 45th overall pick Chicago possessed and get, traded it. Go to the fan side of the YouTube page. I interviewed Alvin Kamara. Uh, will your wife apply preparation H for you? Seth, great to see you. Go Bears. Should we call my wife and see if she would, if I had hemorrhoids, would she apply? The, let's finish the show with that, maybe. You want to call Meredith? Why not? Okay. See if I had hemorrhoids, would you apply to preparation age? Are you trying to impress your wife right now that you're on the podcast? Let's see. We could call her on the regular landline. Would it be more clear? Yes, it would be more clear, but this is maybe she'll answer. It's more organic. Okay. Dude, I don't think she's going to answer. All right, you're on the podcast, so everything you're saying can and will be held against you. Can you hear me? Okay, I can hear you. I'm at lunch right now. Hi, Meredith. What's going on? We're debating. Uh, This is ugly. Meredith, uh, Mark Harmon here. Good to hear you. Hi, Mark. How are you? I'm excellent. You know, I I talked about an embarrassing situation with some... uh, I didn't even use these words, but Seth did, that uh, these hemorrhoids that I'm I'm dealing with... (laughs) And, uh, and 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 Seth said that he would 
ask you to apply the treatment. And I said, no, you wouldn't in a million years, and that you and, and you certainly wouldn't do it. Am I missing anything here, Seth? Was that right? No. That, I, if I had hemorrhoids and asked you to apply the preparation H, would you do it? Um, but would, maybe with a Q-tap. <laughs> Great, Ant. <laughs> See that? As you can tell, we're changing the world here, Meredith. Uh, and that, that that's what... It's all it's all a game. It's life. It's life, which is the biggest sport there is. And if you're with another couple, can you please ask that question? Um, I, I don't think they're gonna want to answer that. Please let them know what your husband's pontificating about on the on the podcast. I love you. I'll talk to you later. Love, love you. Love you. <laughs> That's that. That is exactly. By the way, if Chelsea was to do it, that's how she would do it. She'd go Q-tip and and get her done. Can you please? That's love right please, there. Please. Your marriage is in great shape. And the other forward for the final time, number twenty-four on the floor, six-six. Five-time world champion, Kobe Bryant. Head coach, Byron Scott. Wrapping up the show, the Kobe Bryant memorial service was today. I watched Vanessa Bryant speak incredibly about her daughter and about Kobe. And, of course, watched Michael, who I did not expect to A, be there, or B, speak, or C, be as emotional as he was. And kind of a cool window between Michael and Kobe. Kobe texting him late at night, calling him late at night, 2, 3 in the morning. And the friendship those two had. Big brother, little brother, little brother emulating big brother, little brother passing big brother in a lot of ways. So uh, it's good to see Mike, good to see him crying. And uh, I thought a tremendous, tremendous uh, way to honor uh, one of the greatest athletes to ever play anything and uh it's still unbelievable right Kobe was going to do a ton of things and would have had a million conversations that would have been incredibly enjoyable to listen to and had so much life to live just a shame right straight shame thank you for listening please subscribe rate tell people that you love on the mark with yours truly, Mark Carmen. We are back next week. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.